First time, long time. 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 Hey there, sports fans. First time, long time. I'm Tommy Fitzgerald. He's Richie Barone. Richie, how are you? Pretty good. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to uh, another rendition of Friday Rankings. Uh, it's, a, it's a show that we do. It's not brand new anymore because we've done it like twice. But, um, you know, basically we wanted to uh, – we have debates all the time, Tommy and me, about certain rankings, best players, best foods, best places to drink, etc. and so forth. And uh, we came up with a catchy title for it, Friday Rankings. And we're here doing it for you every Friday so uh, what are we ranking today, Tommy? We're going to be going through and ranking the top five scrappiest Mets player. Who's got the testicular fortitude, as Vince McMahon once said? Who's got the most moral fiber? Who's never leaving a game with a clean jersey? That's what we're looking for today. That's the thing about it. Like a scrappy player, like is it a good player? Maybe. Is it a bad player? Could be. Uh, but it's a guy who, you know, he's he's an effort guy. He wasn't born with a cannon arm. He wasn't born uh, six foot two uh, with beautiful pecs and uh, a great tight tush. You know, he, he had to work for everything. Uh, these are the blue collar guys in Major League Baseball. They're the guys that, you know, real firm handshakes some calluses. And, uh, you know, after the game's over... Uh, you may find them at your local watering hole telling war stories. Just the guys you want to spend some time with and, uh, you know, you really appreciate them. So let's jump right into it. Tommy, who do you think is the number five scrappiest New York Met of all time? Number five, not the character from all the President's Men, not Bernstein, but Chris Woodward, middle infielder for the New York Metropolitans, back a few years back he came on pretty hot had a good reputation coming in but a real man's man kind of guy that you could rely on steady as a rock not necessarily uh what i would call a terrific hitter but functional oh yeah i mean here's the thing about chris woodward okay the guy comes on the team i got no idea who he is okay that's usually what happens in the offseason i don't know who anyone is they show up on the team I kind of learn about him. I read about him in Newsday. Shout out to Mount Carrig, the whole thing. Uh, so Chris Woodward shows up. He's number four. He's a bench player, utility guy. I already know that I'm going to like him because he's trying real hard while also battling against having enormous ears. Okay? But he's not self-conscious about the ears. He just goes about his business. He's got a big, shiny, stone-cold Steve Austin bald head. Another thing I like as a guy who's losing his hair quite rapidly uh, it was just another thing I loved about Chris Woodward. Um, also, you know, coming into the season, he's easy to hate because his last name sounds like a really fancy scotch or something. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to drink a Woodward. You know, I don't like guys like that. I like guys with normal last names like Davis or Barone or, you know, those kind of last names. So uh, the, the deck was stacked against Chris Woodward. He def- He defied all the odds and played a real average but gritty game. Uh, I never thought when Chris Woodward was in a game that he was going to win it for us. But at the very least, I knew that if we were down 6-2, he was going to work out a walk 
and uh, take second base on defensive indifference and slide head first. That's what you knew Chris Woodward was capable of. Um, but seriously, and all if I could be serious, great guy, really hardworking player. I'd take him on my bench any day. Who you got at number four? Number four, I'm going with Mike Baxter. You may remember him selflessly crashing into the wall in left field to preserve the no-hitter of our boy, Johan Santana the first in New York Mets history. But in general, he's a Queens-born and bred young man, and he really brought it every single day. He wasn't necessarily going to win the Triple Crown, wasn't going to hit 30 home runs in a season, but a very solid defensive player, solid at the plate, a guy that would foul off a lot of two-strike pitches. Mike Baxter, there's always a seat at my bar for you. Oh, yeah. Mike Baxter, just one of those kids, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy, like, if Jason Bay was the player who ran into the wall, didn't catch the ball, and cracked his skull open, Mike Baxter was the guy who ran into the wall, caught the ball, and cracked his skull open, and, uh, you know, it's a shame you didn't really hear from him too much after that Johan no-hitter, because I really do think that he preserved it, him and the lack of replay uh, at the time, of course. Uh, I hear about that all the time from my St. Louis Cardinal friends who are a bunch of jerks. Uh, but, you know, shout out to Carlos Beltran for uh, not <laughs> for not getting a double on that play. Um, and shout out to Johan Santana for throwing that no-no. But, no, Mike Baxter, in, uh, in, a, in a time before cameras were a part of baseball, that guy was an absolute hero. He's, a, you know, like you said, a Queens-born kid. He's uh, he's like those entourage kids. He's like all the entourage kids wrapped up into one big ball. Um, plus, his last name was the first name of my favorite Ninja Turtle villain, Baxter Stockman. If I could get a little weird for a minute there. Uh, so, you know, I always had a soft spot for Mike Baxter. Wore number 23, which showed uh, good self-esteem. Michael Jordan number. And, uh, you know, what else can you say? The, the kid deserved more. Uh, I wish he had a longer career, but we'll always remember you, Mike Baxter. Going to pour out a little old English next time uh, Next time I drink one. Whenever that is, one's getting poured out for you, buddy. Number three, um, this guy. I mean, how do you even introduce this guy? It's like, you know, what do you, what do you get for the guy who has everything? How do you introduce the guy that pretty much, pretty much made up the term scrappy? You know, if you look up scrappy in the dictionary... There's uh there's a picture of that guy from Scooby Doo, and then right next to that, there's a picture of Joe McEwing. Okay, and that's number three here. Uh, you know, just just an absolute absolute nightmare fuel for Randy Johnson, and uh, hell of a guy. I shook his hand at the at the ball once. I felt like a, a little uh, <laughs> I felt like a little priss. You know, he almost he almost ripped all five of my fingers off with one handshake. The guy's like five foot seven. I was I was beside myself. But uh, Joe McEwing, real man's man, great Irish kid. What do you think of him? Hey, Super Joe, like you mentioned, Randy Johnson still owes him rent every first in the month. He's got to pay Joe McEwing because, quite frankly, McEwing owns our boy Randy Johnson. But really a Swiss Army knife. You need him to play left field? Sure. You need him to play shortstop? All right. Need a first baseman in a pinch? Joe McEwing's your man. Joe McEwing, really the consummate professional and a great New York Met. Shout out to Super Joe. He's over there on the White Sox coaching staff, a guy you would you knew would always be a coach because he made it uh, not really on his athletic talent. So as always, our boy Joe McEwing repping it down at 
number three. And Richie, when we segue here to number two, it's tough to get emotional. Made one of the most famous catches in Mets history in a game that when he made the catch, everybody thought they were going to win. But number two, Andy Chavez, the definition of a fan favorite, a guy that was so good defensively and despite his slight stature, Man, did he have a hose of an arm. I mean, we talk about Cespedes, but Andy Chavez wasn't too far off in his ability to just straight up rip the ball all into the infield. So, Andy Chavez, number two, pure scrappy, a great player. Wishing him the best of luck. Yeah, I mean, Andy Chavez is one of those guys. He's built like one of those wind socks at a car dealership. He's just flapping in the breeze real thin. Just real gangly, uh, you know. He's out there like a like a giraffe with a mitt on, just going and making catches, jumping over the wall. Uh, if you remember, he doubled he doubled someone off on that play, uh, threw the ball into Carlos Delgado. Still one of my favorite plays of all time. This guy, and you know, on the offensive side of the ball, he wasn't phenomenal, but he wasn't a slouch either. The guy. Everyone could be in for the bunt, and he's still bunting it, and he's still getting on base. It was amazing, you know. Um, it's not to you sit through an entire season of guys like Luis Castillo and uh, those type of folk before you really appreciate the skill and prowess of Andy Chavez. Um, you know, fast as a gazelle, didn't have the kind of the burst of speed that Reyes brings or brought. But uh, still very fast, deceptively fast even. And, uh, you know, I've been looking on Amazon. Once I save up enough money, I think I'm going to buy a picture of that uh, that catch. It's autographed. They say it's real. I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, it just goes to show you I'm willing to spend money on a play that meant nothing in a year where we didn't even make the World Series and we had our hearts ripped out the next game. That's how much I like Andy Chavez. So, uh, shouts to the kid, Andy Chavez. And uh, that brings us to number one. Who is the scrappiest Met of all time? Don't need a lot of thought on this one, Richie. When they asked him who he was in spring training when he first reported, he said, I'm Lenny Dykstra. I'm the best fucking ball player on this team. Number one, of course, Lenny Dykstra. He's got a book out now. But in terms of scrappiness, this guy is pretty much the definition. You said McEwing in, in the Webster's Dictionary. I think Lenny deserves a picture there as well. He was essentially made up of uh, a nice combination of, of steroids, greenies, and dip. And it just fueled, fueled the guy to be a great ball player. Oh, yeah. I'd say of Lenny Dystra, if you had to characterize him as a uh... – as like a, a restaurant or like a like an event that goes down in a restaurant. He is the human version of a bar fight in Applebee's. You know, there's just it's just no frills. There's just there's just onion rings flying everywhere. There's two for one mill lights flying across the bar. Someone's getting called a whore. Uh, you know, a, a, a stool's being broken in half and thrown at people. Uh, the bartender's calling the police. Everyone's laughing at that. No one even cares. They just keep fighting. Uh, you know, it's eating good in the neighborhood. The guy's just a just a regular neighborhood guy. Um, you know, allegedly swindled a bunch of money, but really, who's counting? He's he's back. He's here. He's good. Uh, you know, he's got a cool mustache again. He's just one of those guys. He's one of those guys that makes you feel like you're never gonna die. You know what I mean? Uh, he'd fight. He'd he'd party. He'd get hits. Um, 
you know, he he's a dangerous guy because when I go out and I play softball and then I try to tie a few one after the game, I'm like, you know what? If Lenny Dyshaw could do it, I could do it. Next thing you know, I'm uh, I'm sleeping in the back of my Civic again at the bar, and uh, you know, I get a parking ticket. I uh, you know, they find out there's a warrant after my arrest, and I'm spending a night in the tank. So you know, things unravel pretty quickly when you think you're Lenny Dykstra, unless you're actually Lenny Dykstra, who has uh, nine lives just like a cat. But on the field, one of the scrappiest Mets of all time. Uh, fun fact: he actually shared his number. Against his will, obviously, but he shared it with Chris Woodward, both number four. Um, shout out to the kid Wilma Flores. If you're half as scrappy as either of those guys, you're going to have yourself a hell of a career, even though, you know, so far with the tears and everything, you're not doing great with the scrappiness, but, you know, we'll work on it. So, uh, once again, shouts to the kid Lenny Dykstra. Those were our top five scrappiest Mets of all time. If you've got ones uh, who you, who, if you've got a player who you think was more scrappy than any of those five, you can go fly a kite first and foremost. And secondly, you can tell us at uh, first time long time on Facebook, first time long time pod at gmail.com if you're into that email thing, and uh, at MetsFTLT on Twitter. Keep in mind, we won't be able to read these because we don't really use the internet that well. But we will relay our answers to your comments and questions to my cousin, who will respond as quickly as humanly possible. Once again, thank you for listening to Friday Rankings, the top five scrappiest Mets. Have yourself a weekend, and let's hope the Mets finish in first place. What do you say? Yeah, hey, fellas. This is Chris from New Hyde Park. First time, long time. Hi, this is Bob from Greenpoint. First time, long time here. Hey guys, this is Audie Bevilacqua from Hapog. First time, long time.